you can start turning to the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm just going to go ahead and say it now so you have time to start looking. It's somewhere in there right after like Psalms and Proverbs. So start turning towards Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Uh, when I started thinking about uh, where we should go next as our next sermon series, where's the next topic that we should pick? Uh, man, there are so many different things that you can do. And there's a couple of different ways that you can pick uh, series. Um, traditionally, we have done like expository preaching series, which is really just a fancy way of saying we like to pick a book of the Bible and just kind of teach straight through that book of the Bible. <laughs> And just kind of let, let the text kind of pick our topics for us. We just kind of want to understand, you know, the whole picture of what the book is trying to say, the truth that's all kind of in there in its own context. Uh, sometimes, and, and, and this last series was kind of a hybrid between that, where we, we were going through the book of Acts, but really we were looking at it kind of topically. We were looking at it, it with specific subjects in mind. We were kind of pulling all those pieces together to make our points. And, and like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm way more comfortable in like the expository area, like just taking a book and just going straight through it. Like I always have felt way more comfortable with that. So of course, we're going to do a topical series. Um, so, we're gonna, we're gonna, just because I didn't feel like it was time for us to kind of jump into another big long book study. So we're gonna take a few weeks and kind of look at the idea of hope. I'm calling this hope-filled lives. You can put it up on the screen. And, and before I get, I get it. All you grammar heads are gonna be like, there should be a hyphen between hope and filled. We've had this conversation all morning. I don't care. <laughs> it looks better without the hyphen on the page. I don't care what's right. I hate the English language. Like, it's awful. So can we just get out? Let's just go ahead and all look at it. Judge it. Judge me. Everybody good? We're all, we've all successfully judged me for not wanting to use the hyphen. Now, let's not get distracted by the fact that there is no hyphen. And the reason I want to talk about hope is because, man, look around the world right now. Open up your phone, look at whatever anybody's posted. There's probably a whole lot of hopelessness that you're going to find in there. And everywhere that you turn, whether it's you're watching the news, whether you're watching a movie, whether you're watching TV, whether you're, whether you're just sharing your experiences with different people, whether you're trying to figure out how it is that you're going to go back to classes in the fall, or, or maybe where you're going to work, or maybe where you're going to eat, maybe whatever, where, all of these things, so much of what we're seeing right now, everything that everyone is kind of pushing out there, oftentimes just, just seems sad. And, and I want us to look at the differences between having, having no hope or looking at a situation and just kind of generally being saddened by it versus what it can look like if the people of God remember what it looks like to have the gospel all kind of working in them. If the Holy Spirit is, is in us, if, if the truth of the gospel is in us, if we're filled by these things, what is our life going to look like? What, what, will, what will our actions be like? How will the things that we say change if our lives are filled with hope? There's just not... And, and, and I want to separate hope from just like positivity or optimism, because I, I am kind of the eternal optimist. 
And I, try, I actually looked this up this week. Like, what's the difference between hopefulness and optimism? And optimism is like, I think everything's going to work out great for me because things are going to work out great for me. And that kind of not super informed assumption that everything's good. And that's, I can very easily fall into that. And then I don't necessarily give everything thought. And then when things don't work out, I'm very confused. Why didn't that go the way I wanted it to? I thought it was supposed to be great for me. But there's a difference. Hopefulness is, is when you're placing that, that belief that something good is going to happen in something worth believing in. Right? I want us to, I want us to get this idea that, that hope is something that we're, we're putting our faith in something. We're putting our trust in something. We're believing that, 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 that good, positive, positive things are going to be an outcome that we can experience because of what it is that we're trusting in. And I want us to kind of begin to think about how, what is our perspective on life? What is our perspective as we go through life, as we go through our day, as we go through your, through your job or through whatever, whatever the things are that you're working through, whatever, whatever things weigh on you most of the time. And so I want to spend a few weeks just talking about this idea of hope and how that ought to affect the church. And I think the best place for us to start is in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. And I want to start there because this is what, this tone is a lot of what I was talking about, a lot of what you can hear right now if you open up your phone, hop on social media, listen to the news, whatever. So Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I'm going to read verses 4 through 11. The author says, A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rises. The wind blows to the south and goes around to the north. Around and around goes the wind, and on its circuits the wind returns. All streams run to the sea, but the sea is not full. To the place where the streams flow, there they flow again. All things are full of weariness. A man cannot utter it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing, nor the ear filled with hearing. What has been is what will be, and what is done is what will be done. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there a thing of which it is said, see, this is new? It has been already in the ages before us. There is no remembrance of former things, nor will there be any remembrance of latter things, of later things yet to be among those who come after. It's a really cheery outlook, right? Everything's the same. We're stuck in a rut. Nothing's ever going to change. Maybe you've heard some of those kinds of words over the last few months. Here we are again. This is bad. This thing happened. It's never going to get better. Nothing's ever going to change. There's no hope for any improvement. We're all just sad. We're all just angry. We're all just hurt. We're all just frustrated. Whatever our emotional reaction may be. But we're, we're trapped in this kind of place. And, and maybe, maybe you have even said those kinds of things. I mean, I'll be honest. During the, like, the like peak quarantine time, when like we were getting out of our houses like, Maybe once a day. Sometimes you'd go full days without going anywhere. Those kinds of things. Maybe those experiences that you were having. Maybe, maybe, maybe sometimes you felt trapped. Like, I am stuck in this rut. I am stuck in this, um, 
this, 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 this habit of I'm going through the same things over and over and over and over again. That's kind of what the author in Ecclesiastes is, which he never identifies himself specifically. Most people think it's Solomon, who, wisest guy ever, right? Wisest guy other than Jesus, who walked the face of the earth, who's, able, who's looking at the world and saying, it just all kind of keeps happening. Everything's kind of not, not good. Everything's kind of frustrating and down and depressing, right? And he's saying, and I think he's, he's really just mourning the effects of sin, that are happening in our, in our broken world. Like, sin is still here. People still sin. We continue this cycle of things that are bad. And that seems like, and if that's, and if that's where the, the, the life on earth ends, that doesn't, it doesn't surprise me that that's the way he feels. And for many people that are, that are sharing those same kinds of feelings right now, wherever it is that you may be looking, it's not surprising that people feel that way. It's not surprising that people are, are overwhelmed by all of the, the pain and the frustration and, the, and the, the differences of opinion and the big emotional feelings that people are expressing back and forth. It's not surprising that you look at that and say, there is nothing better than this. And that is what the mentality of somebody who does not have the hope of the gospel within them ought to feel. It should not be surprising that you feel this way. But the whole reason I wanted to talk about this subject is because amidst all of the chaos of our world, and, and, and yes, there's a lot of chaos right now. There's a whole lot of chaos. But I don't want us to, to be so proud as to say, we are going through the worst thing that anyone has ever experienced in the history of the world. There have been lots of bad things that have happened throughout the history of the world. I'm not going to give you a full list. There's lots of bad things. There's a history of bad things because we are we have a history filled with people who are broken and and overwhelmed by the effects of sin. Sin has been since Adam and Eve, we keep coming up with different kinds of ways to sin, different kinds of ways to hurt each other, but at the same time, at the core, we're still just broken people who have no hope apart from the work of Jesus. I'm not trying this that, that's that's not the whole sermon. I don't want to end with the sad part. But I just want to make this point because, because I think these things that he's feeling in chapter one of Ecclesiastes are things that people are feeling. And I don't want to minimize that people feel that way. We shouldn't, we shouldn't take that someone is sad or that somebody is hurt or that somebody sees the, how, how repetitive and stuck it seems that our society often feels and say, you shouldn't feel that way. It's not surprising that you feel that way because our world is broken. There is sin. We are kind of in a cycle of continuing to find new ways to create these amazing sins that are so offensive to God. Like we, we continue into this along this path because without Christ, that's who we are. That's what we are made into because of the effects of sin. I mean, think about it. Like this year, we've been worried about death hornets. Like, that seems new, right? It's not new. Been worried about a pandemic. That's not new. We've been worried about racial, racial tension, racial unrest, and, and equality. That's not new. We, we, we aren't the ones creating this. Sin, the effects of sin are what created this within all of us for so long. But what's sad to me is that this kind of 
tone that the author's taking in Ecclesiastes can so easily still creep back into the lives of the people who do know hope, who do know Jesus. This kind of mentality of everything's bad all the time. Everything's sad all the time. Everything's frustrating all the time. And I want us to not be comfortable with things being bad, but have a, I guess, a bigger perspective. Because it's, I mean, he said in here, everything is vanity in this life. I, I skipped that verse, but he opens with saying, everything's vanity, nothing matters. But, but in just a few chapters, if you go ahead and turn over to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I want to I wanna maybe kind of shape the way that you perceive having that kind of mentality about the world. So Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'm going to start in verse 9 and read through verse 15. He says, What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time also. He has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end, I perceive that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. God seeks what has been driven away. Here's the thing. Here's the point that he's making. He's like, things are hard. So I don't want to, I don't want to ignore the fact that things are hard or things are bad or things are frustrating or things are sad. I don't want, I don't want to ignore that you may feel lots of different feelings based on all of the circumstances in your life. You may be overwhelmed for any number of reasons, and that's okay. But, but if you have the right perspective, if you understand what it is that God is doing and that God is sovereign over this, that's the point that he's making. This is a big point about God being in charge of everything. Everything that happens, happens because God wants it to. If it doesn't happen, it's because God didn't want it to. If something happened in the past, it's because God planned it. If something's going to happen in the future, God planned it back then. God is in control of all of his creation. God is working every single detail out. So, when we look at what we're facing right here, he's also put within us this desire for something more than this world that we're living in. He, what is it he said? He has put eternity in the hearts of men. So when you try, when you try to picture eternity, let's just thought experiment. Think about it. What, when you try to picture eternity, what comes to mind? This would be a really interesting conversation to have because I bet everybody comes up with something slightly. Mine's a timeline, but I also edit video like, like all week. So mine is just like this long timeline and it kind of fades at the end because I can't see that far, but it just kind of keeps going. There's no end of the It's my brain. Your brain might be different, but... It's so hard for us to understand eternity. We can't comprehend eternity because we exist within time. We're, we're told this like we're made to exist for eternity or we're going to have everlasting life with Jesus. We're going we're to get to live forever with God. And 
None of that makes sense. <laughs> None of that can really register. And, and some of that, I think, is because, and he said this, things that we don't fully understand are because God doesn't want us to fully understand them, because we are not him and because he exists outside of it. But that doesn't mean that he hasn't left within us this desire for something more. And that our hope, our, our rest, our entire way of living can be affected by that, that sense that there is something beyond this life that we are made for. That God has, has made us to exist in eternity ultimately. Now, now, we in the church know that that means if we're in Christ, if we are saved, if we've been added to the body of Christ, if we've, if we've placed our faith in Jesus because of his death for our sins, then that means that we have hope that, that, that we're going to get to be with God forever. All of that, all of that leads us to a new place where he says, we understand there's something way better than now. So now we can just rejoice in Jesus. We can rejoice in God during our times of struggle. Eat, drink, enjoy the company of one another. Like, like be, be positive about the, the things that are going on around you. Work hard. It's gonna, he called it toil and busyness. Toil and busyness describe, I think, most of our lives really well. But even as you are toiling, even as it is busy, even as things are hard for you, you can do so knowing that this isn't the end. This isn't all you were made for. You weren't created only to think about the kind of repetitive nature of the things that you're experiencing in your life for today. There's, there's more. That God designed us to be with him and to experience all of the glory of his presence with being with him. And what I think the author is saying here is, if we have this perspective, yeah, everything's vanity in this world. We don't need to put our hope. We don't need to put our trust. We don't need to put everything in that. But instead, we, we can go through this life with a completely different mindset, with a different set of motivation, with a different level of drive. We can push ourselves harder and we can do so in a way that is, that is more joyful because we have hope in something beyond this life. Now, now, if you are in Christ, this is really easy for you to recognize because you're like, yes, I want to be with Jesus. I can look to that. If you're not saved, if you don't really have that hope, it's hard to look at that and be like, wow, that's a really good promise. No, everything's just going to stay bad for me. And that's why, that's why the sharing of the gospel and, and the truth that's within the gospel is so important because it doesn't just save us. It's not... It's not just going to save us from eternal punishment, which it's going to do, and that's a good thing. I don't want to downplay that part. But more than that, it gives us a reason to keep going. It gives us a reason to work through the things that we're facing. It gives us a reason to look at the things that are going on around us in our society and be able to live differently, speak differently, behave differently. And some of that's what we're going to talk about over the next couple of weeks. The way, the way that we can speak if we're filled with hope. The way that changes the way that we interact with people if we're filled with hope. And so I don't want us, I don't want you to hear this and say, well, you're telling me to be hopeful, but that's really hard. It is really hard. In fact, I would even say it's impossible to be really hope, to be genuinely hopeful on your own. Right? But I go back to what we just read. Whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken away from it. 
It's the work of God within us that gives us that hope. We have this desire to be with God. We have this desire to understand God, but, but we can't really get there because, because God is so much greater than we are. Go ahead, if you will, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I just got a couple more verses that I want to kind of give us some context before I kind of give us some application for this. So 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to go ahead and start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 5. For we know, we, the church, that if the tent that is our earthly home is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this tent we groan, longing to put on our heavenly dwelling, if indeed by putting it on we may not be found naked. For while we are still in this tent, we groan, being burdened, not that we would be unclothed, but that we would be further clothed, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. And that's the point. It's the Holy Spirit that God has given us. It's the Holy Spirit that is working inside of us that we can put our hope, that we get to, that gives us that hope, that gives us that, that ability to kind of rest and trust that what, what he's saying is true, that, that there is more. Even though things are bad and we wish that things would stop and sometimes we're like, man, God, it'd be great if you'd just come back and fix all this. Right? Come, Lord Jesus, come. Right? Even though that's our prayer, and even though sometimes we're groaning because things are so hard here, or so painful here, or so frustrating here, for whatever reason, even though relationships here are hard, even though connecting to other humans is even more difficult right now than it has ever been, we have a better, and I love that he changes the language not just to having eternity set within us, but another home. Right? A place that we can, we can go, we can live, we can sit down on the couch and rest and eat some chicken wings and watch football because football ought to exist in heaven. I don't know. Cross my fingers on that one. Chicken wings, definitely. Chicken wings. Sorry, I'm getting distracted because I'm getting hungry. Everything else around us can become trivial. And I don't want us to be, that mean we become dismissive. I don't want us to be dismissive of the things that are bad and pretending like they're not problems because they are very real problems. But I don't want those problems to be the thing that dominates our lives, the thing that, the thing that overwhelms the thing, what we talk about, that overwhelms our emotions, that overwhelms the things that we do. Because, because we've been given a completely different outlook on life. We have a new language. We have hope because we have Jesus, which means that even though everything's bad, we are not defeated. We just saying, I will not be shaken. Like, I'm not shaken because I have something greater, something stronger, something more powerful, something more trustworthy than the promises by celebrities or athletes or politicians or social media influencers, because that's a thing. 
It doesn't matter that we can get promises made by people who have some semblance of power because ultimately none of this is the ultimate thing. None of this is the end. The end is we get Jesus and we get to be with Jesus forever. If you want to turn over to Hebrews chapter 11, this is kind of my my overarching theme for this series. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. You've probably heard this before. You may even have this one memorized. The author of Hebrews says, Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Our lives can be filled with hope because our hope is not in this life. Right? And being filled with hope changes what will come out of us. The very thing that is at the core of the Christian faith, the thing that that it takes to be in, faith in Christ is defined by this idea of hope. Faith is hope in something that we can't see. But it's not something we can't know. Because we can know Jesus. And when we're, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're filled with hope, that's going to change the way that we interact. One example. Kind of a dumb example. And then I'm going to pray, and then we're going to be done. So we started doing this like workout thing. And if you've been hanging around me, I've already talked about it too much, and you're tired of hearing me talk about it. We started doing this workout thing. But they also are like telling us, if you're going to be healthy, you got to drink a lot of water. Like, when we say drink a lot of water, we mean drink a gallon of water a day. But the first thing that he said when he said drink a gallon of water a day is, don't start day one trying to drink a gallon of water a day, or you will be back and forth to the bathroom every 45 minutes or more. That's my first amen. Come on, guys. That's my first one for the day? All right. Oh, I got another one? Okay. Sorry. But... If you drink a whole lot of water, you're going to be running to the bathroom all the time. Why? Because you are full of water. And when you're full of water, the water is going to come out of you. If you are filled with hope, hopefulness will come out of you. If you you are filled with the Spirit of God and you have this perspective that even though everything around me is bad, I have hope in another life. I have hope in something beyond this. This isn't the end for me. This is, this is nothing. This, this doesn't phase me because this is trivial. This is just, this is what I'm in temporarily. These things that I'm experiencing right now. This is, this is just me groaning, waiting to have a better experience, something that's been promised to me later. That's hope. And if you know that you have that to come, you have nothing to lose here. There's no reason that we should now define our lives or build our lives around being perceived a certain way or or being politically correct and holding back the truth of the gospel or fear of what the repercussions may be if we're unashamedly, unabashedly Jesus followers. Again, I'm getting ahead of myself. We're going to get there. 
But like, that's, that's the goal. That we would be so filled with the Holy Spirit, that we'd be so filled with hope, that, that when we look at our lives, we don't get sad, we don't, we don't get depressed, we don't, we don't shrink back, we don't say, everything's bad, what's, the, what's it matter? Why even try? And maybe you're feeling that way, and I don't want you to feel bad for feeling that way. Because that's chapter one of Ecclesiastes, but there's, there's room to grow, there's promise beyond that. So if you're in that place, I don't want you to feel ashamed of feeling, feeling bad and overwhelmed by the things around you, but I instead want to point you towards something better, that you were made for something more than that. You were made to be with Jesus for eternity, and he has made a way for you to be with him. I said this a second ago, I'm going to say it again. Our lives can be filled with hope because our hope isn't in this life. 